Hey, it's Bob Stoffer. I just wanted to let you know that you can listen to Oilers Now ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer. Weekdays at noon on Oilers Radio. 630 Chad. 630 Chad and the Edmonton Oilers Hockey Club present the show that is everything Oilers. Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer. Brought to you by Digitex. Office Equipment Solutions North America wide. Yeah, Digitex does that. D I G I T E X dot C A on Oilers Radio. 630 Chad. Second hour of Oilers now. Bob Stoffer in Ice District at Rogers Place. Final regular season home game for the Edmonton Oilers. Now playing out the string. Tonight they get San Jose or just 1-8-1 in their last 10 games. Oilers, by the way, 3-5-2. Dropped three consecutive games after basically being uh, knocked out of the box for the playoffs. The second hour of Oilers now is brought to you by Digitex. PCs, copiers, supplies, printers, laptops, IT, plotters, software. And now Digitex can manage your corporate cell phone plan, saving your company money. All your devices managed at digitex.ca. You can text us on our Heartland Ford text line at 630-630. Heartland Ford out in Fort Saskatchewan. The hometown of Joffrey Lupel. Who has a connection to our next guest as we go out to the River Cree Resort and Casino Hotline. All the 2013 playoffs between the Maple Leafs and Boston. Brian Burke uh, that year was still in the Maple Leafs organization. Brian Burke's appearances brought to us every Thursday by our friends at Canadian Power Pack. Hello, Brian. How you doing? Hey, Bob. How are you? Good. Uh, you were obviously in Boston for Game <laughs> 7 of that, that game back in 2013. Uh, I remember watching it at ESPN uh, down in... Uh, Anaheim, I was there with the family in Disneyland. Just the complete shock of uh, watching the Bruins. Because they were, if I recall correctly, Brian, that they were. you guys had them. You were up like 4-1, weren't you, with about 10 minutes left in that game? Uh, I, that was the, the year that I was let go here. And they went what? on to the playoffs and lost. In, uh, but re- they were up, I think, 3-0 or 4-1 in game yeah. 7 and lost. So, But you were, I thought you were still like a consultant for MLSE at that stage. Uh, I was doing pro scouting for NM. You're right. When I got let go, they announced I was staying on in a senior consulting role. But really, they didn't have a role for me. So I did, I did some pro scouting work for the... For Anaheim, then, so I might have been in Anaheim when you were there. Okay. <laughs> what were the uh, so in that situation when that occurs, and and that's a team that you put together, 
and there how does it work like i mean you've you know you, you you've you've been fired you hire people and you've fired people yourself were you still was there any emotional attachment to the team at that stage well, what, hap- what happens, I've tried to explain this to people. It's a great question, Bob. I'm glad you asked me because everyone thinks uh, oh, the, 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 he got fired by the Canucks, so they must hate the Canucks. And, like, the, the difference is you cheer for guys. You cheer for players. You cheer for guys you brought in. So um, in that case, you know, that was basically my team. I think the only change to the team when I left in January was that they picked up uh, Kyle McLaren. I think it was the big left winger. And we had been talking to San Jose about trading for him, and then he went on waivers after I got fired, and Dave Nonis grabbed him. So, no, I was hoping that they'd have some success. They're basically all guys I had drafted or traded for. So even now, there's still four guys on the team, I think, or five guys on the team that that I brought in even all these years later. Yeah. Uh, and, and so you cheer for them. You know, I still, when I watch... Pittsburgh by I cheer for Phil Kessel. So, well, so Phil, I was hoping they'd win that game. Yeah, Phil was, I think Phil scored a couple goals in that game. You brought Lupul in from Anaheim, uh, and he'd had a pretty good playoff that year. I know Peter Shirelli commented uh, on more than one occasion. It was sort of interested to watch how the whole situation unfolded with uh, Lupul being, you know, basically put on Robidaux Island under the uh, Lou Lamarillo regime. Uh, right after the same thing went with Stefan Robo. I just remember just, you know, thinking back, it, I'm like, wow, that's quite, you know, how how crushing was that? And lo and behold, speaking of Anaheim, Edmonton went through a similar thing in 2017 in Game 5 after Secker got hurt in Game 5. You know, they gave up the three goals in the final five minutes. And I got to tell you, Brian, I, I, I kind of wonder what would have happened if the owners had won that series. Like, is, I know you can't woulda, coulda, shoulda, but the fact of the matter is, when teams lose in the playoffs, changes always get made. But, you know, like Jordan Everly, here's an example. Let's say in the next series he scores a game winner in overtime. Does that change? Like if Edmonton advanced beyond Anaheim, does that change things? I don't know. Uh, but I, I do I do think things are – it's not that managers are fickle, but just when you don't quite get the result that you desire, sometimes maybe more changes occur than you uh, would otherwise think. Yeah, for sure. I mean, especially this one here was a real crushing loss. I mean, it really left the fan base here devastated. And um, there's a lot of trepidation and fear about this upcoming series because they're going to play Boston. Yep. And people are, you know, right now the Leafs are scuffling. And they're they're all reaching back to that series. And uh, four years ago, whenever it was, well, more than that now, six years ago. Yep. And I'm like, there's only you know a half dozen guys who, are, who played in that game. Maybe that, maybe half the team played in that game. Um, and they've got John Tavares, who's just been magnificent this year. So I think it's. I, I'm not. I can't see them beating Boston, but I don't think it's a. Everyone here is talking sweep and five games and all that, and I, I think they can do better than that. You know what? With all due respect to James Reimer, they got a way better goaltender. And they haven't just added, for me, John Tavares, but they've added Jake Muzzin. And they yep. were damn close to beating Boston last year. I I, I believe if, I got to tell you, Brian, if Mike Babcock can win a national championship at the University of Lethbridge, he can beat the Boston Bruins with an upgrade of Tavares and Jake Muzzin in the lineup. I just, I, I and if anything, Boston's going to have the, the pressure on him in that series, Brian. 
everybody's expecting Bo Boston's a team that's supposed to achieve. The Leafs, as impossible as this seems to be for the Toronto marketplace, they're actually going to be the underdog in that series. Yeah, and that's, um, I would say, so again, you had that series in 2013, they lost, and they lost to Boston, what, two years ago? Yeah. Washington last year was Boston two years ago, if I'm not mistaken. Well, the other way around, I think, Brian. Was it not Washington two years ago in Boston last year in Game 7? Oh, I, 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 I could be wrong. I, I, I'm trying to. I just know Jake Gardner had a tough night in Game Seven. So, uh, but they're they're damn close, right, Brian? Like that's the thing. Like I just think they got better. Like Toronto's got maybe more juice. I know the show's called Oilers now, and the fans hate it when we talk about the Leafs. But that is going to be the biggest series to watch in the opening round. It's Toronto and Boston. Well, I think you look at they added Muzzin, they've added Tavares, they've added Freddie Anderson, or whatever the changes are. Um, from a couple of years ago, the, the issue would be for me is Boston. They've lost a couple of games recently, but they've been a machine the second half of the season, and they they've won like I don't know twelve games without Pasternak, and then he comes back. I just think they're really hitting on all eight cylinders right now. And you know, I, I was at the game um, the night before last with Carolina here, and. The Leafs were just flat. They they went 15 minutes without a shot on net in a in a you know a fairly important game where you're trying to get ready for the playoffs. So I don't I think people now are evaluating it not on the basis of the teams in November when the Leafs were really rolling and and putting up big numbers and scoring at will, uh, but with how they're playing lately, which is is they're not playing that well right now. All right, speaking of assessing teams, Brian, as a senior NHL executive, you've had teams win Stanley Cups and you've had teams play out the string. How difficult is it for a manager to assess what he's got when a team is playing out the string down the stretch? Well, I think if you look at where how Edmonton started and where they were, you got to take some heart, at least I do, again, having covered this team now indirectly for the first time you got to take some heart in how the team finished. And they were playing meaningful meaningful games up until the last three, four days. And I think the team really achieved a lot late in the season. And to be playing meaningful games and being in the race until this late in the year, I think is a magnificent achievement based on how the first part of the season went. I think it's admirable. Uh, to answer your question, it's, it's a worse. When you're playing games that don't count, it's the worst. I mean, you get rid of every guy that can help Bakersfield, and then you strip it right down, and then you just you play it out and hope that nobody hits any bonuses that will cost you money in a non-playoff year. So it, it's it's the worst feeling in the world. I mean, you're going into rink saying it doesn't matter to anybody on this planet other than the 20 players who are dressing for each team. It doesn't matter to anyone on the planet what happens here tonight. Those aren't good games. Brian Burke joining us again for Canadian Power Pack. Brian, uh, Peter Shirelli has received a fair amount of criticism for misreading the landscape of the NHL. That being said, I believe that uh, the full Oilers organization, and by the way, when Peter was hired with Todd, that was universally praised here at Edmonton. I just want to reestablish that for everybody out there, for the guys that want to have revisionist history. That was not the case when the Oilers made those moves first in April with Shirelli and then with me with McClellan. But Edmonton went bigger and heavier. 
your teams have always had a degree of truculence. Did you foresee the game moving as much to speed, skill, and quickness as it has over the course of the last two calendar years? No, I, I would have been guilty of the same thing. Um, uh, I think, you know, like I, I fished with Pete. I talked to Pete about it while he was working there, and, and we both knew and felt the game was going quicker. And we drafted that way. But at the same time, we thought the change wouldn't be that dramatic, and it would the evolution would be more gradual, not so sudden. So uh, I would have some of the same mistakes as Pete did. And that's not uh, trying to cover for him. He's my friend. Um, he did some positive things there that people will see over the next few years. But this is a business that's based on wins and losses. And when I got fired by the Toronto Maple Leafs, I had a press conference, and what I said at the press conference was, I mean, the team got sold. That's why they were making a change anyway. But I said, look, I, I didn't win enough games here in the five years I was here. And this is a this is a game where mathematics are very important. And I didn't win enough games. And in an age and an era where accountability is vanishing, everyone now will try to blame everyone else. I said, it's my fault that I'm here. So to me, Pete's got to take that you know blame for some of the things he did. But I think his legacy, much like Ron Hextall now in Philly, uh, his legacy is going to be a lot brighter when people see some of the place, the pieces that were put in place. What was you guys were you were at the Flames when the Edmonton Oilers signed Drysaddle to that uh, eight-year deal at eight and a half billion dollars? Did you think that was an overpay at that time? Yep, absolutely. I was horrified. Now it looks like a pretty good deal. Yeah, well, he just kept getting better, right? I mean, and that's what makes things so frustrating here, Brian, is, you know, career year McDavid, career year dry settle, career year Nugent Hopkins, career year Nurse, career year Chason, career year Cassian, uh, which shows that you can still have truculence in the game and you just got to be able to skate. If you were the Oilers or if you were advising, and again, just established because every time you come on, we get texts. Brian Burke for president. You're not interested in returning in a hockey operations role. We've established that. Uh, how would you handle the Milan Lucic situation moving forward? Well, I don't. I don't think it makes sense to. And I, you know, Luch is a friend of mine, so I'll make full disclosure. We've been friends for a long time, and I really admire him and like him. Um, I think that the production. Well, I would say Luch is. We need a better year. Uh, let's talk about your off-season preparation, maybe drop a little bit of weight, get a little bit smaller, a little bit quicker, whatever. I think people disregard the fact that Connor McDavid, Leon Dreisaitl, Ryan Newsom Hopkins generally get left alone during games. And the reason they get left alone is because Zach Cassian is dressed and Milan Lucic is dressed. And everyone knows if they run Connor McDavid, they might have to fight Lucic. And people say, well... Those days are past. He only had five fights this year. Well, the NHL leader, and I don't know how many fights he has, but the NHL leader in fights has six. Yep. Six fights. Now, I think there's five players in that category. There are six fights as leading the National Hockey League in fights. So the, the, the presence of Zach Cassian, the presence of Milan Lucic, means that those skill guys get to ply their wares in a fear-free environment, and that's valuable. So I'd say to Luch, look, he's got how many years left? Four. Four years left. It doesn't make any sense to buy him out, in my opinion. Right. It'd be too much money. So I'd say, Luch, how do we pick up a little quickness here? How do we get you more effective in, in today's game? And just 
and hope that you can make some changes that make him a little quicker, a little better. But don't discount. I can tell you, when the Calgary Flames play the Edmonton Oilers, they talk about Milan Lucic. Promise you that. So he has value. Even when he's not scoring, even though he might not have that many fights, people are terrified of him. Would you dress Matthew Kachuk against Edmonton in the final game of the year on Saturday night for both teams? I think Chucky will insist on dressing. I think Matthew Kachuk will say, look, I'm, I'm playing. I'm playing no matter what. Okay. I think they'll dress Dalton Prout. Uh, I think they'll uh, – but I, I can't imagine – and these games are spirited affairs, but I can't imagine that – Anyone's going to try and settle any score in the last game, but that's just wishful thinking, perhaps. But I know usually when you're playing out the string, guys, you know, no one wants to break their hand in a fight in the last yeah. game of the season to settle a score from February. Would that be a game where the Flames, all right, let's say Kachuk plays because he's a terrific agitator. Would that be a game where a teammate might say to him, you know, let's not wake these guys up? Yeah, quite possibly. Mark Giordano might take him aside or Bill Pierce, but I think if you went to Chucky and say, do you want a night off, my guess is he'll say no. Um, I know one thing. If I were the GM, I would decide who got with the coach, decide who got nights off. Yeah. But, um, you know, I saw, they sat a bunch of guys last night against Anaheim, and they still played a really good game, I thought. it was. Uh, I enjoyed the, the game for a, a meaningless game. It was a pretty entertaining game, I thought. It was played at a high pace, and... You know, who knows? But, yeah, I might I might take Chucky aside if I were there and say, look, just calm down tonight. Don't poke the bear tonight. Just, you know, play hockey tonight. Don't be Matthew Kachuk. But I don't know if he's capable of doing that. Watching Brady Kachuk the last few nights, I think it's genetic. I think it's part of their DNA that they have to be obnoxious whenever they get a chance. They have awesome gamesmanship, those two kids. Yeah, it, it's, they do. And Matthew Kachuk, I know people in Edmonton will hate him. He is a great kid, and he's I, a smart I you, kid. I wish, I wish the owners had taken him and not Paul Yarby. And that said, in that draft year, virtually everybody had Paul Yarby ahead of Kachuk. So uh, there was concerns about his skating. I, I just remember Chris Knobloch telling me, because he was coaching Erie, and he said, Bob, Matthew Kachuk was basically playing with a broken ankle, and he beat us, and he was the driver that beat us. I'm like, well, that's the kind of guy I want on our team. But uh, anyways, he went six to the Flames. Brian, I'm going to leave you. I'm going to give you the easiest slam dunk of all time to close the deal on our segment today. Glenn Sather stepping down uh, with the Rangers. There's some discourse as to exactly what's going to take place there. Uh, Do you have a couple funny Glenn Sather stories that are PG-13? And just your thoughts on the career uh, that Slats had and what it was like dealing with Glenn over the years. Well, I'll think of some stories. I wasn't ready for that one. I'll think of a story or two, and next week I'll sure. be prepared, and I'll give you a couple go and say the stories. I will say this. Um, I have been the beneficiary of being a friend of Gwen Sather's all these years. If you're a friend of Gwen Sather's, you end up on the, on the positive side of the ledger from the knowledge he imparts, from the generosity he demonstrates. This guy is just, he is one of the best human beings that I know. He's smart, he's tough, he's funny, he's, he's conscientious, he's a great dad. Um, I have a great respect and admiration for the man as much as an affection for the man. So I was stunned when I heard that news. I had a coffee with him last week here when they played the Leafs, and, and we talked about the future and what might happen. But uh, 
I was stunned by the news anyway. And the, the game of hockey will be worse off without Glenn Sather involved. Let me ask you this, uh, just to wrap up. If Glenn's to step down from the Rangers, should Daryl Cates be putting a call in to, uh, to to maybe have Glenn? And I don't know what the hell situation. Glenn's getting up there in years. Maybe he doesn't want to do the job. I mean, he had a real good relationship with James Dolan. But should should Glenn say there be a guy that Daryl Cates looks at to potentially assist? Well, I'd make that call. You'd make I, that well, call? I, I tell you one thing. I take someone like that now. But I just had coffee with him a week ago. His health is fine. He looks great. Sharp as attack. I, I would hate to think the Edmonton Oilers would not turn that stone over to make sure there's nothing there. I would I would view that as a grave mistake. Well, uh, I know that, uh, you know, Daryl Cates grew up watching the Oilers in the 80s, and Glenn Sather was the guy in this town. It's all over. And that's just that. You look where they are in their rebuild. I mean, they had the courage to announce their fans last year at the trade deadline, hey, sorry, we're rebuilding. Right. And you look at the changes they've made and the draft picks they have and what's coming. Like, they've done a really good job in a short time of totally turning over that roster. They'll get it done there. Great stuff, Brian. We'll be watching this week. And I don't care what Elliot Friedman says. You're the best part of Wednesday nights. <laughs> Thanks, Bob. See you later. That yeah. is uh, Brian Burke, Brian's appearances, courtesy of our friends at Canadian Power Pack, Alberta's leader in electrical construction and service, electrical prefabrication, and solar. Again, you can text us at 630-630. We'll tell you that guests on the show receive gift cards to the Japanese Village. Steak and seafood cooked right at your table. Japanese Village, Edmonton South, Downtown, Northside, and Sherwood Park. Still to come, this day in Oilers history, uh, Mark Spector, Stoffer Inspector for our friends at Horse Racing Alberta. Century Miles now open. Racing starts April the 28th. Off to a global news weather traffic update with Eileen Bell. More coming up on Oilers Now when we return. Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer. Weekdays at noon on Oilers Radio. 630 Chad.